Hello, everyone, and welcome to a very stripped down episode of the Smackdown Wind Down slash AW Rampage Late Night Rager. I am your host and humble guide, Keela Cash. Thank you so much for joining me as week 113 of WrestleTopia draws to a close. Happy Saturday morning, afternoon, and evening to you all as another busy week in the worlds of WWE and AEW winds down. And I had a 40-minute episode ready to go. And as I was putting the finishing touches on the episode, I lost the file and it was deleted by accident. And I feel horrible about that. I cannot recreate 40 minutes of magic. I'm so sorry. But I can briefly talk about both shows and that SmackDown was a very pedestrian prior to WrestleMania SmackDown this upcoming Friday from the American Airlines Center in Dallas, Texas. Rampage is pretty solid as well from the HEBC Center in Cedar Park, Texas. I will give you my very brief thoughts on both shows as I thought that the closing angle involving Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar was pretty so-so, honestly speaking. I did like Brock breaking into Roman Reigns' locker room, breaking shit, smashing lamps, glasses, eating grapes, spitting out the champagne that was too bourgeois for him. Roman shows up and then Brock Lesnar grabs another foreign object, smashes the windows out of another SUV and Roman says he has four Suburbans and he's not worried about it. So Brock comes out through the crowd to go after Roman Reigns, but a lot of security guards show up out of nowhere and they block him from going after Roman and Brock grabs the chair and he beats up all the security guards. The Usos try to get involved as to no avail as Roman and the Usos and Paul Heyman run for their lives and Brock destroys security guards. And I think that the Brooklyn crowd deserved a bit more than that. I think the best way to finalize a WrestleMania push with a week to spare, there are ways to do a brawl and not do the blood angle that you intend to do for the main event of night two of WrestleMania, which I completely understand the selling point is blood for blood. And I do want to see that if it's done correctly, but to stall the brawl for another week is a choice. If they do it Monday, that's fine. If you wait until next Friday, okay, it's still a push. So I just think that the angle peaked during the contract signing last month, which was great. But if you're going to have a brawl in New York City and you're going to do blood and Brock needs to get his hands on Roman at least one time before WrestleMania, a brawl without blood would suffice. So we'll see how they handle things heading into WrestleMania Raw and SmackDown Next week, as we are on that road to WrestleMania, for real, for real. Ronda Rousey and Charlotte Flair, a very flat segment. Ronda Rousey has no life in her voice. I don't know where the Ronda Rousey is from 2018. She's MIA. She's missing. The aura is gone. Every time she was out there, it felt like a big match feel. I don't feel anything. She smiles, yes, but I feel no emotion behind her words. Charlotte Flair is trying so hard to bring out something in Ronda, but it's not coming off on screen. And we're down to the wire here. Now, they're going to main event, presumably, night one of WrestleMania, and Charlotte Flair feeds off negative energy. She will give you a show. If you boo her, if you say you want something else, she would tell you to politely fuck off, and I'm going to give you the match of my career. And she would do that. And she probably has a dig deep to bring that out of Ronda Rousey. They had an incredibly emotional match at Survivor Series back in 2018, and even though they've had brawls in the parking lot and at ringside, I don't feel that emotional 
pool and tug right now and we're cutting it close ronda rousey is either still resenting the fans from three years ago or she's not feeling this baby face turn but you need to be the baby face charlotte flair is not a likable figure on this show she's meant to be a heel she can't play baby face and i feel like there's a struggle between the two right now to really take this feud and subsequent match for the SmackDown Women's Championship for the next level. If WWE dares to give Ronda this championship at WrestleMania, I don't know if that's a good idea because she's not projecting that star quality on screen via her promos. I'm worried about that now because she talked about, well, should we call the SmackDown Women's Championship the SmackDown Championship? I'm I'm not twisting myself in a knot about that. My one exception would be when the ring announcer says, this next women's match is for one fall. Just say match. Let's be gender neutral on that. But the titles, women's, universal, I don't care. I'm not going to be bent out of shape one way or the other. Designation either or is fine with me. But Ronda Rousey needs to bring the heat next Saturday if they're going to main event night one of WrestleMania. Shisuke Nakamura beats Jimmy Uso. It was a fine match. Rick Boogs slammed Jey Uso into the ring post when he tried to steal his Gibson guitar and probably hit him with it in the process. That plan backfired. Sasha Banks, Rhea Ripley, Zelina Vega, and Shayna Baszler had a pretty good fatal four-way match. That was the best in-ring segment of the show. Sasha Banks, Zelina, and Shayna worked great together as Sasha locked in a duel. Banks' statement to Zelina and Shayna Baszler, Rhea Ripley broke that up with a running drop kick and when Rhea went for the rip title and Shayna Shayna locked in a kudu for the clutch and Sasha responded with a backbreaker or backstabber I should say to Shayna and that led to the finish of Rhea taking out Shayna with a cannonball. Selena hit to her Karana to Rhea on the barricade and Sasha eventually taps out Zelina to the bank statement. I love the layout. I love the creativity of this match and the women's tag team title match between Carmella and Zelina, the reigning defending women's tag team champions versus Sasha Banks and Naomi versus Liv Morgan and Rhea Ripley versus Natalia and Shayna Baszler could be a show stealer if given the time. I've really loved the matches on SmackDown as of late when they're laid out and given time. And here's hoping they get that time come next Sunday at WrestleMania night two. Xavier Woods returns to face Rich Holland. It went for about a minute and Woods rolled him up despite a chop block from Rich Holland. And at this point, I really want to see Butch work one-on-one against either Kofi Kingston or Xavier Woods. Or have a tag team match between the New Day and Sheamus and Butch and leave Rich Holland at ringside to learn from the best. Because I'm guessing the original WrestleMania lineup would have been the New Day versus Butch, Sheamus, and Rich Holland. And that is not happening right now due to Biggie's neck injury, which is really unfortunate. And I'm not really feeling the three-on-two attacks every single week. It does get tedious. So either the New Day finds an honorary third member or you do the tag team of Sheamus and Butch, who are the superior experienced tag team, and let Rich Holland be the grasshopper learning from the very best as they face off against Xavier Woods and Kofi Kingston post-WrestleMania season. And that was pretty much all the highlights from SmackDown. If I'm keeping it honest, it was nothing really to write home about, and it was a really flat show. But here's hoping that the WrestleMania Raw in Pittsburgh and the go-home show from the American Airlines Center in Dallas, Texas are better shows heading into WrestleMania weekend, which should be absolutely stupendous according to WWE. I want to quickly talk about Rampage right now in that we had Dustin Rhodes versus Lance Archer from the Hep Center 
and Cedar Park, Texas. This was a fine match, not as good as the one they had in Atlanta nearly two years ago during the inaugural TNT Championship Tournament, but I will say that Lance Archer gave it his all against Dustin. Dustin tried to take out Dan Lambert with a power driver that backfired. He missed a cannonball on the outside as Lance sidestepped that hit a side suplex as we went picture and picture came back and Dustin was able to size up a charge by Lance Archer and he landed 10 punches at the side of Lance Archer's head. He did a middle rope bulldog and the crossroads for a very close near fall. Lance responded with a full Nelson slam and a choke slam for a pair of near falls. He went for the blackout, but Dustin would get out of that. And there was an exposed turnbuckle that Lance pulled from the top earlier in this match. And he got set up when Dustin pushed him into the exposed turnbuckle instead and got the win via a roll-up jackknife cover. And after the match was over, Lance attacked Dustin at ringside. He laid out members of the Nightmare Factory and he put Dustin Rhodes through a timekeeper's table after he smashed his head face first into the steel steps. And of course, a Rhodes family member must bleed at all times. It's truly a tradition like no other, as this feud must continue in the weeks to come on Dynamite and Rampage. Next up was Frego de Sol being naive and brave as he called out the House of Black because he thought he had a moment against Birdie King, Malachi Black, Buddy Matthews last week. He gave it his all, almost had a near fall, but it wasn't meant to be. And the House of Black appeared out of nowhere and beat his ass with a series of power moves and strikes, which I loved. And then the Dark Order confronted the House of Black, which sets up a tag team match on Dynamite Trio Cell involving Eva Uno, Stu Grayson, and Alex Reynolds versus Matthews, Black, and King, which should be exceptional if everything goes according to plan. The segues to 5 and 10 from the Dark Order versus Red Dragon. It was fine. I love the power and strength from 10. Alan Angels, number five, is super talented as a guy that can strike and kick and suplex his ass off. He does get caught with the suplex by Kyle O'Reilly, who locks in a guillotine, but 10 spine busters Bobby Fish on two Kyle to break up the hold but they twist the mask around 10 hit the high low on him and hit the chasing the dragon on number five Alan Angels for the win and after the match is over they went after the dark order some more Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy running defending AEW tag team champs to make the save and Adam Cole Bebe steals the belts like he did to Hangman Page this past Wednesday when he stole the world title and I guess this is setting up Red Dragon versus Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus for those tag team titles at Battle of the Belts. You can throw Paige and Cole at the top as well for the AEW World title as well. That makes sense if you're not going to do the match at double or nothing. But the championship stealing, oh, it's a bit juvenile for me, but it's a way to get heat on the not undisputed era. Next up was Nala Rose demolishing <laughs> Maddie Renkowski. She laid that girl out with a Santon bomb and a beast bomb in 40 seconds or less. And that's how I like my squash matches. Short and effective. Hook receives his certificate of accomplishment from QT Marshall. He responds by being chill, nonchalant, and he slams Aaron Solo into his certificate. The frame is broken. And Danhausen comes out to curse Hook. Hook no sells it, walks away like a boss. Hook is the best. But this segment was pointless because I'm not feeling QT Marshall in this role. 
whatsoever. And I am tempted for Taz to whoop his ass because it's just the right thing to do. Defend your son at all costs, even though Hook can pretty much defend himself. And the main event of Rampage was Swerve Strickland versus Ricky Starks for the FTW Championship. And this was a really good match. Swerve and Starks were great together. I love the transitional spots early on. Swerve is to Harris and he tries to take out Ricky Starks with a very creative Rana that had like a little heel hook edge to it, which I really enjoyed. And we go picture in picture with Starks dominating the action. He goes for a moonsault, misses, but he lands a tornado DDT a short time later as he continues to work over Swerve. Swerve responds with a series of clotheslines and a step up flatliner, which was great. At one point, he had Starks on the outside and he lands a running shooting star press before going up top and hitting the double foot stomp on Ricky for a near fall. Ricky is able to roll up Swerve for a very close near fall. And he gets over on the outside long enough for Powerhouse Hobbs to shoulder tackle him and lay him out. Ricky distracts the referee long enough for Powerhouse to throw him back in the ring. The referee is not suspicious as to why Swerve ain't moving at this point. And that allows Ricky to hit the Rochambeau on Swerve for the win to retain his FTW championship. There are some scrubs holding a banner kissing Team Taz's ass. And as they hold the banner up, celebrating Ricky Starks and Team Taz, Keith Lee throws one of the guys through the banner. And this leads to a brawl between Swerve and Starks and Keith Lee and Powerhouse Hobbs, which must set up a tag team match between now and AEW Dynamite in New Orleans. The NOLA debut, Ricky Starks' hometown. And even though he's adopted in Austin as well, he lives there. They love him. In either situation, he's going to be over as a babyface. And I feel for Swerve and Keith Lee, who are over as well. But you can't beat hometown glory in the form of Ricky Starks. All in all, this was a pretty good episode of Rampage. It felt very compact. It felt jam-packed for an hour. And I normally like Rampage at three matches, but four is a push. And when you add two non-wrestling segments in the ring, it's definitely a stretch. And I feel like this show needs more space to breathe and to slow down just a touch to make sure this hour counts for all it's worth. But all in all, it's a nice hour to blow through on a Friday night to really cap off a busy week in professional wrestling. And I would be remiss if I don't mention the retirement of Triple H from in the ring competition. He was in Stephen A's world via ESPN Plus yesterday. And he told a harrowing story about his heart surgery back in September, which was scary as hell. I just want to mention that and that he was at the one year line of not making it. And he became very emotional talking about his daughters and how they could have lost their father out of nowhere. This was unexpected. This was surprising, but he came through it and he has a defibrillator in his chest. And that basically means he ain't trying to get zapped in a wrestling match. And he was very self-deprecating about that. He looks great, but you can tell he's went through it health-wise over the last six or so months. And I wish him the very best in his ongoing recovery and wish him the very best when it comes to his quality of life moving forward. And I know this puts the succession plans a bit out of whack for WWE, which is something to talk about for another day. But I do want to highlight the greatness of Paul Levesque as a performer and businessman. And let it be known, this guy had the best entrance music. He had the best entrances. He had it all. He had the ability to get under your skin, 
to piss you off, to make you angry. He had the ability to make you laugh on a whim. He gave us peak NXT from 2014 through 2019, black and gold all day, every day. This guy gave us moments. And let's not forget MSG 20 years ago, coming back from the torn quad, the ovation he got. Let's rep DX, Evolution. Let's rep Motorhead, the theme songs that really stand the test of time and reminds us when WWE gave a shit about theme songs. They paid top dollar for Run DMC, for Motorhead. Jim Johnson was in his bag back in the day, and I lived for that. Triple H was a part of my early years as a wrestling fan. Him and The Rock feuding in the early 2000s was my jam. He read Stephanie and Triple H in Versace like a boss, and I greatly appreciate it. That formed my early years as a fan of this business. And that feud still holds up to this day. I get great laughs out of it. And the matches were always on point. And his last great match, in my opinion, with the exception of Roblox against Dean Ambrose for the WWE Championship back in 2016, I have to say was WrestleMania 30 against Daniel Bryan in the opener. And it's easily one of the best opening matches in WrestleMania history. The entrance. The Goddesses, Charlotte Flair, Sasha Banks, Alexa Bliss, before they became household names, was everything. The match was a technical masterpiece, and that was probably one of Triple H's best in-ring performances, bar none. And that is one of my best memories of him in the ring. And the news sucked. It was a bit of finality for him and for Fans that respect the work, I will always stay on that reign of terror as being a low point in his run in WWE, but he was simply one of the best to ever do it. He is not the game, the cerebral assassin, the king of kings for nothing. Triple H is that dude then, now, and forever. And this wraps up a very truncated edition of the SmackDown Wind Down slash AEW Rampage Late Night Rager. I had to make this up for y'all because I felt really bad about accidentally deleting my episode. So I had to run it back with this very abridged version. I hope you can forgive me. Charge my head and my heart for this. But the one thing I always want to do is give you guys a show when I can. If there's an act of God preventing me from doing so, you know why. Normally, I don't record due to upload issues via the service I use to host my podcast or the power is out or the internet is out of whack. And if those things happen, I will not be able to get the show live to you. If I fuck up like I did today and not have the episode ready for you on time, I'm going to redo it to the very best of my ability and give you the best possible show, even though it's truncated for time. But I wanted to give you my perspective on last night's episodes of SmackDown and Rampage as we head into the heart of WrestleMania season. And it's going to be a crazy week. I'm excited. I'm a bit torn about the lack of a U.S. title in IC title match at WrestleMania involving Finn Balor and Ricochet. Very disappointing. Hopefully WWE changes their mind between now and and next weekend because when you have room for celebrities and you have two nights make room for your titles as well make sure every title is defended you have two nights of wrestlemania to work with time should not be an issue ricochet angel and umberto could tear it up at a wrestlemania finn and damien as a damien and the demon can do the exact same thing the entrance of the demon 
would be everything in a WrestleMania, which has not happened yet. And we're not going to get that next weekend. Uh Uh-uh. I don't like that whatsoever, but we'll see as we got seven days to go before the most stupendous two-night WrestleMania of all time, according to WWE. And with that, this wraps up episode number 29 of the SmackDown Wind Down slash AEW Rampage Late Night Rager. I hope you enjoyed it as always. You can follow me on social media at Lady Wrestling X on Twitter and on Instagram at WrestUptopia. There you can find me tweeting and gramming about these podcast shows that drop on this in my daily recapping Monday Night Raw, NXT 2.0, AEW Dynamite, Friday Night SmackDown on Fox, and AEW Rampage. John TNT. You know what to do. Such Recipetopia and follow me on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Audible, Google Podcasts, Buzzsprout, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Plus, Amazon Alexa, and Spotify. I'll be back Tuesday morning with episode number 114 of The Raw Verdict, recapping the highs and lows from WWE's flagship show, Monday Night Raw. Until then, enjoy your Saturday, Sunday, and your manic Monday. Stay safe out there and don't forget to wash those hands. See you later, boys and girls. Take care. Oh, 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 oh,